Good morning, welcome to another Driving Theology. I'm Mike, and uh, man, it's a beautiful April day. I want to say today is April, I don't even know, 13th? Oh, looks like uh, April 12th. Yeah, today is April 12th, and it is a pretty day. Uh, and I'm on the way to work as usual, and uh, going to be subjecting you, a uh, few proud listeners, to uh, my stream of consciousness type of uh, uh, rambling. Sure, what I want to talk about today. There's man, so much going on. I just found out really great news uh, that the shack will be opening in Japan. Uh, I think it was May 13th this year, 2017. So May 13th, 17. Uh, and wow, that's only a, a month away, and I'm excited about that. And hopefully, we can figure out which theaters. And, and, uh, and uh, man, that's that's just great news. And also. Uh, reminded just how connected the world is today compared to, to you know when I was younger I'm, I'm in my late 40s uh, knocking on 50 and and just amazed that that I can you know search for somebody who I don't even know where they live and they probably travel and, and find them and communicate with them in the, in the course of a, a short morning via social media, you know, and get get information and just say hello and people that are uh, perhaps known to me because of books I read, you know, authors or, or producers or whatever, but, but people are so accessible today. It's, it's really amazing. And I'm sure there is a is an, an echelon that, that are still inaccessible, maybe uh, in a lot of ways our top politicians or, or uh, actors or things like this, but I think what I'm learning is that that people, no matter how successful I think they are, people probably still see themselves somewhat as uh, starving artists, as, as still trying to make it, even though I may see them as differently, they may not see themselves that way, and that, that humility that comes with that allows us to connect with people, uh, and, I, and it's just great, and the, the person I got to connect to this morning... And then, you know, granted, it was just a little information on Facebook, not, not a big deal, but uh, was Brad Cummings. Brad Cummings is the uh, president or CEO of uh, Windblown Media, which is a publishing company that has produced uh, the book Shack and some other books that, that uh, I think are really great. Uh, and they are also involved in the movie uh, The Shack. And I've been listening to Brad's podcast uh, called The God Journey, which is done with Wayne Jacobson, another, one of his partners. been listening to that podcast for a while. And, uh, yeah, I just decided to look, look Brad up on Facebook and, and found him and requested, you know, requested a, a friend ad. And, yeah, I got at it. He didn't have too many friends, which is kind of great. Sometimes I think there's a cutoff at, like, 5,000. I'm surprised he doesn't have that. But, anyway, I was able to do that. And then I just shot him a, a quick message. You know, thanking him for the work he 
knows through windblown media and and asking him if he knew when the shack was going to be, re be released in Japan because every time I, I looked for that on the internet I couldn't find it and so I assumed it wasn't going to be released but uh, he confirmed yeah May 13th which is just a little over a month away which means man I'm gonna have to get a party together and go see that thing get some people together and see it on opening night what do you guys think? Should we do it? Have a shack party. Uh, call it love for the shack. Or love shack. No, love shack's already been done. <laughs> love the shack. Love the shack, baby. Anyway, um, yeah. So I'm, I'm amazed at the connectedness. It... You know, if you were to talk to me when I was 20 and tell me that this was going to be possible, I would have just, yeah, whatever. We'll see. Technology never works out that, you know, like it's supposed to. It promises a lot, but really in the end doesn't deliver all that much sometimes. But I'm wrong, you know, in this case. And I, if I would have thought that when I was young, I would have been wrong because, man, we are just so connected. And the stuff that's happening in the world because of this connect connectedness is just mind-blowing. Uh, you may have heard about the United uh, Airlines fiasco that happened a few days ago uh, and blew up all over social media and Twitter and you know Facebook and and probably everything else. So there was a there was a, a man. Uh, I don't know if he's American, but he's of Asian descent on a on a uh, on an overbooked flight, and he's already on the plane. They've already taken his money, taken his ticket. He's gotten on the plane. He's headed from Chicago to uh, I believe it is Louisville, Kentucky, right? And the flight's full. Uh, so at this point, I guess you wouldn't call it overbooked. It's full. And uh, so, yeah, he's on the flight, and everybody's getting ready to, you know, getting seated, everybody's ready to go. And they make an announcement and say, sorry, we have five uh, flight, uh, I guess flight attendants or flight crew, probably pilots and flight attendants, uh, a whole crew, that need to get to Louisville so that they can fly in the morning and if they don't fly apparently that flight will have to be canceled so if we can't get them to Louisville tonight that flight will be canceled or something to that effect now, strangely enough I don't imagine that driving from Chicago to Louisville Kentucky would take more than I don't know five or six hours I'm not sure you would think they could have been driven but maybe the fatigue that they would you know, experience because of driving. I don't know. Anyway, so they started offering money, and they they offer money, and nobody volunteers, and they offer more money, nobody volunteers. So when they stop at eight hundred dollars plus a hotel for the night, they use a computer, which apparently has an algorithm that will determine the best people to kick off the flight. So it points to a couple, and the couple, you know, they they reluctantly get off the flight, but of course they get the money. Uh, plus hot a hotel to stay at, so a couple's happy. But then it comes to this Asian guy, this 
maybe Asian American, maybe just Asian. I don't know. Anyway, and come to find out, he's a doctor, and he's supposed to be in a hospital the next morning, and there's no other flights until the next afternoon, which means he's going to be late. And as a doctor, that's kind of a life and life or death situation, right? I mean, isn't that reasonable that they shouldn't kick a doctor off the flight? So anyway. Uh, this is just how I see it. I could be wrong. You know, details are coming out. But anyway, they decide to call the police because this guy refuses to go. So they call the police and drag the guy off. And in the process of dragging him off, not only do they bloody him up a little bit by by uh, him banging his head against the armrest, but the rest of the passengers around this witness, witnessing all this are terrified that they're dragging this guy off the plane for no apparent reason, except the computer said he needs to get off. Uh, and they, they're trying to take care of their corporate interests. They need this flight crew to get to where they wanna be and they're gonna, they're gonna sacrifice their customers to do it, even if it means you know, dragging a guy off a flight and injuring him in the process. So the, I don't know, some, some kind of airport police, air travel police, I don't know what it's a, it's a police agency, but it's not like local Chicago police. It has to do with the uh, Air Transit Authority or something. Anyway, they drag him off, and it, it just, it, it causes a near riot in the, in the plane. You know, people are yelling at the guys to stop and leave the guy alone, and you, you can't do this, and how dare you, and, you know, things like this. So now, you know, this is the next day. And United Airlines stock, United Airlines stock has plummeted. Uh, what I read was six percent. I can't confirm that, but it comes out to somewhere between eight hundred and a eight hundred million and a billion dollars that their their value has plummeted, which is you know pretty significant. So anyway, that that's in the news right now. Um, you know. Basically, what's happened is that there's been uh, a gross case of abuse in the airlines, and now the world is reacting. Everybody has seen this. It's on. It's been on Japan news here. Uh, many people were taking videos of the incident as it happened, and those have all been shared and put on media. People are boycotting uh, United. I presume that flights are being canceled uh, to make the point that you know you can't treat us like this we you know we're customers and you know we anyway so it, it's really become a, a, a bad bad deal altogether and of course United Airlines not the other airlines United Airlines is fully is feeling the, the full brunt of this, right? They're, they're on the, the front lines um, because, of course, it was their airline involved. Okay, so now if you if you remember flying pre 9/11, okay, uh, you remember that airlines were a lot different then. There was a lot of room on airlines. They didn't overbook airlines. Uh, there was always a lot of room. It was easy to, to request a seat, you know, window seat, air, uh, aisle seat, um, special meals. You could do all of this for free. There was service, 
right? There was service that was provided free of charge. Uh, and they would try to put families together and, and uh, it, it was, it was, you know, it was considered a, a cool thing to fly. It was nice. Since 9-11, things have really gone downhill because of the terrorist attacks. They involved airlines, of course, security uh, has gone through the roof uh, as far as number of officers and, and steps of security and vetting. And we have no-fly lists. And, and they also, uh, in all of this chaos, the airlines are, are cashing in by overbooking flights, which means they can overbook flights because they they think maybe uh, some people will cancel. And so they don't want any empty seats because they want to make their maximum amount of profit. And so somehow they have pushed through legislation, not somehow, let's just say it, money and power. They have pushed through legislation that allows them, well, and probably fear, money, power, and fear. Anyway. They've pushed through legislation that allows them, by law, to overbook flights, which means you may show up to a flight which you have paid for and booked ahead of time, but that you may be not allowed to take after all. You may be booked to a later flight. Um, and they can do this by law. They can kick people off flights for no reason other than they have overbooked the flight and nobody has decided to cancel. Okay. Now, when a when a plane is fully loaded, obviously you've got lots of paying customers in the seats. All the seats are full. Well, that's that's the perfect scenario, right? They're making more money. But what airlines have done is they've squished in more room. So they're giving each customer less and less room. They keep finding ways to narrow the seats and to narrow the distance between the rows to make the seats more and more uncomfortable and where they can get more and more people in the planes and allowing you to take less and less baggage. So they're diminishing the amount of baggage you can take while increasing the number of passengers they can take and maximizing their profits, right? And, and they probably are having record profits, okay? Um, now, if this was a country like Japan, this would be great news because, number one, Japanese are used to being squished into tight spaces, but number two, those profits generally come down to the workers and they, they cause expansion uh, and they cause improvement. But what's happening here I'm pretty sure, correct me if I'm wrong, and I, I know uh, a guy that worked for United, I don't think those profits get to the workers. Uh, I don't think they get it in benefits or in salary, but all those profits are going to the shareholders, right? The CEO, president, uh, all of the, the the upper guys, all the guys in, in upper management, and, and well, not upper management, probably, uh, but probably just the executives and the board. So, because that's the American way, greed is good. Greed is greed. You know, money money is the reason for everything, 
and believe it or not, that's not the case in Japan. By and large, uh, money is great, but there is a kind of modesty in the wealthy here that understands that the people need to be taken care of. And that's why Japan is a country with better benefits, better health care, uh, higher employment, and just a, a generally healthier country. Alright, so I, I want to tie this in with something. So. A lot of people, their reaction to this is, well, I'm not flying United anymore, I'm going to fly American, or I'm going to fly Southwest, or I'm going to fly whatever. Uh, a lot of people have said, well, I'm just going to fly Asian Airlines. The problem is, this situation, though United be the worse offender, this situation is caused by is caused by uh, all the airlines together. Service in general has gone down, right? Service is worse, flights are overbooked, uh, there are fewer flights, right? Flights are overbooked. Uh, this is happening in the entire industry. They're all, they're all making money off of this. Now, United has probably been the cheapest, right, airline. They've cut costs. Uh, but at what cost, right? At what point, you know, where, where is the line drawn between offering cheaper tickets but making you feel like an object being transported? You know, where, where is that line? How, how big of a discount makes it worth giving up giving up your humanity? You know, at what point does that does that come into play? How far are you willing to go? Um. So anyway, this is it's so so a lot of people their reaction is well, don't fly United, but you know we'll just choose other airlines. But I really think. This is a this is an industry-wide problem that they no longer feel the need to bow to the consumer. They no no longer feel the need to please anybody because they know that we don't have a lot of choices. We're going to have to choose something. So what I think should be done is that the industry needs to change. Otherwise. You know, even if, let's say, United, which they won't, but let's say United folded because of this, they, they went bankrupt, somebody else will take the place of the, the cheapest, uh, the cheapest uh, and worst airline. Somebody else will take that place and will fulfill their shoes faithfully. <laughs> somebody else will be that guy. Right now, United's that guy, but it could be somebody else at some point. Because at the end of the day, it's all about money. So, here's what I think needs to happen. I think the entire industry needs to feel what a lack of uh, consumer trust can do to them. And I, I don't know, I don't know what what it's going to take. Maybe a 
campaign, no fly Fridays. Everybody just stopped flying on Fridays or a month, you know. No fly, no fly July sounds pretty good. No fly July. Like, like a bunch of people are just going to refuse to fly in July. Let's see what happens, you know. No fly July. Let's see if, see if uh, they will reconsider reconsider treating people like decent human beings right you know this problem is is in all industries it's in the restaurant industry you know the the more money you pay generally the better service you get but you know what you're getting right that's the thing you know what you're getting but but an airline ticket you know if I'm flying from Japan to to the states it's a thousand dollar expenditure every time no matter what airline I'm gonna pay at least a thousand bucks for a round-trip ticket there's a time when I could when I could have done it for 500 but right now where things are it's it's, it's a it's a thousand dollar trip and to pay a thousand dollars to be treated uh, like a piece of meat or worse you know, makes me cringe, you know, but if I'm going to go to the States, that's really my only option, unless I'm going to suddenly, you know, take a boat that's going to take a week to get over there, or more, and certain people have jobs to maybe where that would still be viable, but, you know, for most people, we don't have a lot of time to be off from work, if I were to take a, a boat to America, I would go there and have to turn around and come right back to be back in time because I get two week vacations, two weeks at a time. So really right now, the option we have is airline. At least when you're talking about transcontinental. Now if you're talking about, you know, uh, domestic, yeah, there, there are trains and there's the option to drive and there are all kinds of things like that. But really when you're talking about going from one hemisphere to the other, plane is what we got, and so they know they've got us, um, so they treat us however they want, as long as they get the money. And here's the thing, I kind of see some correlations, and I'm going to get some flack for this, and that's alright, I see some correlations between organized Christianity and airline travel. I kind of see that, right? Where uh, religion demands a lot of us but provides very little benefit, very little real benefit sometimes. Um, but we feel like to be okay with God, well, we have to be in a church. We have to be in a church that has a pastor, that has a building, that has youth programs, uh, that has a bus minister or whatever. I know that's probably very outdated, but... Um, and so... When things go bad at one church, when we feel like we, we have not been respected or we feel like we have been uh, maltreated, the answer is that, well, I'm not going to that church anymore. I'm going to this other church. Right? That, that becomes the answer. But the problem is, where does that stop? At what point do you realize that, that that's no kind of answer, that maybe the system itself is sick. Maybe the system itself 
needs to go away and there needs to be something in its place that's much more much, much more humanizing, much more organic, much truer, um, more real, more relational, as opposed to organizational. Um, because everybody likes to be treated well. You know, if, if you go into a restaurant, or if you step onto a plane, everybody likes to be seen and heard by the people there. Everybody likes that, you know, to be, to feel like there's, there's been a connection. Uh, even in institutions, when you make relationships, that's what it helps you to stay, right? That, that, that's the point where you, where you kind of stick around when you start making relationships. Uh, but when you feel like something is more organizational than relational, I think at that point, that's where you, you start going through the motions. You you do it because you're supposed to, not because uh, there is any any connection or any relationship going on. That's just what we do. That's what you do. That's what we're supposed to do. And to not do that is is uh, incomprehensible. Uh, but for me and and some people that I know. We stepped away from the institutional church some time ago. It's for me. It's going to be. Uh, let's see. Believe it or not, I'm going on my fourth year. Uh, building on my fourth year this November. I think it'll be four years since I effectively stepped out of the institutional church. Now, what I stepped into may may or may not have been any better. Uh, we started doing uh, home gatherings uh, or small gatherings, small groups, whatever you want to call it. And that doesn't, that's not a numbers thing because our small group really outgrew the institutional church we were at <laughs> uh, a while back, uh, I think in a lot of ways. But we've been doing that for the past uh, three and a half years. Uh, but now I feel less moving into possibly, uh, you know, another another, um, uh, what do you call it, manifestation of, of church, a different way to be the, uh, the anointed ones or the called out or the, the messengers or whatever, the, the disciples of Jesus. And that may be something that's completely uh, decentralized altogether. I'm not sure how it's going to work out, but it may truly be organic. But I don't know, you know, I, we'll see, we'll see, but we are in a transitional period, in fact, we're going to, uh, God willing, talk about that tonight, um, but we do seem to be in another, some kind of a transitional period, trying to figure out uh, just where to go from here, and, and where, where the, the Lord is leading us, and how He's leading us. So... You know, I, I don't claim that what we're doing is necessarily any better, but I think the process, I think the process by which we transition is far superior to the option of just sticking with something because that's what we're supposed to do. I think God is a more creative God than that. 
And I don't think Jesus died for us to maintain the status quo that we find ourselves in or find ourselves having been born in. Uh, so, yeah, the, you know, this thing with airlines, a lot of people are just going to switch airlines because that's how the world goes. If you don't like A, choose B. That's the consumer mentality. You know, but perhaps just saying, you know what, I'm not going to fly for a while. I'm going to take a break. Um, I don't want to contribute to the system that dehumanizes people. Uh, and maybe dehumanize isn't even a isn't even an enlightened word. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how to how to put it because. I now have a higher view of animals <laughs> and a higher view of the creation than I used to. Which is easy today because we're in the sakura season, the, the cherry blossom season, and everywhere I drive in Japan, I see these beautiful white, uh, whitish pink or pinkish white uh, cherry blossom flowers. And it's just beautiful, just gorgeous. Uh, but even they are, you know, kind of a blessing in disguise. The, the cherry blossom trees are famous for having uh, lots of uh, poisonous, semi-poisonous, not deadly poisonous, but certainly irritatingly poisonous uh, caterpillars. And so even they are they are affected by the the uh, presence of sin in the world. They're, they're not a perfect beauty, but they are a there is beauty there nonetheless. Uh, but even they are a fading beauty. They're beautiful this time of year, but then they go to a leafy kind of tree that really doesn't have a whole lot of beauty to it. It's not a beautiful leaf. The flower is beautiful, but that'll last, you know, a week, two weeks if you're lucky. Um, and then you've got the caterpillars to deal with the rest of the year and, the, you know, the, the maintenance of the trees and all that stuff. So, anyway, uh, my point is that, you know, humans wanting to be treated more human really is unfair to say if we are humans who don't even treat animals uh, with very high regard. Uh, I think animals should be treated better, generally speaking, too. At least that's where my theology is going at this point. Um, who knows where I'll end up, but that's, that's, a, that's kind of a new thing in my head. And I think I talked about that last week or a couple weeks ago. Anyway, I'm not sure. Anyway, I'm nearing my destination. I'll be there in about five minutes, a little less maybe. And uh, thanks for letting me rant a little bit on that. I, I don't know if that does anything for you. Um, but I do need, I, I do know that all of the institutions that exist, whether it's the airlines, uh, whether it's our churches, uh, whether it's our schools or our businesses, we all need to be going to a paradigm of, of a high view of relationship that that it's much more important how we treat people and how we connect to people than how much money we make off of people uh, and sorry to say that goes for religion as well uh, much of religion works on the machinery of getting money out of people 
like it or not, that's how it works. And without the money, uh, many religions would go away and they would cease to be what they are today. Which is why I think we should take money out of it. Uh, I think that's a good thing. I see that as a, as a positive thing that probably needs to happen. And I hope will happen one day that, that we will get back to pursuing Christ and Him only and taking money out of the equation. Uh, do that and we will do well. That is my opinion. Thanks for listening. Uh, again, man, comments, please. If you listen, leave a comment. Send me a message. Find me on Facebook. We've got a Facebook page called Driving Theology. Leave a message on that. Let me know where you're listening from. Uh, I, I want to, you know, I want to know who you are. I want to know you. Uh, so, yes, please do that. And uh, have a great day. Wonderful day. I'm about to be off to my job. And uh, thanks for letting me uh, chat with you.